0: Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. This is episode 40 of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today we have a little bit of a different interview format for you guys. I'm really, really excited about this episode. We've never done anything like it before, but I will definitely be doing it again. A few weeks ago here in Denver, the outdoor retailer show happened, and it was a huge industry show. It was the first time it happened in Denver. It had moved from Salt Lake City. It's a huge industry trade show, and they partnered with the SIA show to put on an amazing event with over a thousand vendors and people from all over the world. So I picked up my recorder and I went on the road to do some impromptu interviews. Now, let me just tell you up front that I was really nervous about doing this. I was essentially going to be walking up to strangers and shoving this recorder in their face and saying, hey, can I have an interview? Now, I was a little bit more polite than that. And yes, I did some research on some companies I wanted to talk to, but it was definitely making me nervous. Mark, of course, about an hour before I was going to leave for the trade show on the day of... Busted out the recorder and said, hey, I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, the anxiety you're feeling about going to this show and talking to a bunch of people you don't know. So we did a pre, pre-trade show interview with me. It's about five minutes long. And then we did a post-show interview, a decompression, after I got home that night, and it was really cool to see the difference in my anxiety levels versus my excitement for what I had just done. So let me just tell you, initially, I was insanely anxious, and once I got home that first night, I thought, that was amazingly fun. That was so cool. I met amazing people. I had such cool conversations. I learned a ton, and I am going to be doing that again. So if you want to check out those before and after recordings of my sort of reflections on this experience, you can do that on my patreon page which is at patreon.com sfd and otherwise I'd love to introduce you to seven different people that I interviewed at the trade show now I did nine interviews total the other two I'm saving for another week because it was just too long and they were two shows two interviews that I wanted to pair up together for another episode but today I have some awesome people to introduce you to. We have really cool discussions on things like the industry landscape and how things are changing right now between retail versus wholesale and how brands are respecting their retail partners to help create a better, successful industry for everybody. We go through some really fun industry stories from people who have been, been in this fashion business for decades. Uh, they share the lessons that they learned along the, along the way. And I chatted with a couple cool people who are using apparel as a basis for doing some really awesome partnerships with urban artists or supporting causes like lymphoma and leukemia. And I also caught up with a company who's doing some really neat stuff with innovative technology that's not only helping speed up production, but it's also helping break down some of the barriers within the workplace, whether that be between male and female uh, sort of personalities and how males can tend to dominate. Um, I don't, I'm not going to get onto a feminist rant here or anything, but it was really interesting what this guy had to say in terms of how this software is helping people who either because of, of gender um, or perhaps even just because of personality are not necessarily speaking up as much or not having a, a voice, how this software is helping them have a bigger voice in the workspace. So it was really, really cool. Um, I'll remind you, as always, if you enjoy the show, I would be thrilled if you would subscribe and review. You can do that at sfdnetwork.com slash review. And of course, if you want to check out the show notes for links to all these awesome companies to check out what they're doing, you can do that anytime at sfdnetwork.com slash 40. All right, first up, we have Lanny Goldwasser from Function. Lanny's story is so cool. He and a couple friends started sewing these ski masks, these sort of face ski masks, in their condo in a small mountain town in Colorado. And they were literally sewing them on sewing machines with their own two hands and selling them out of backpacks to the kids that they were teaching in ski school and people in the locker room at the at the mountain resorts. And they built their business from literally schlepping these things in backpacks on the mountain to now selling over 2,400 ski masks a week. The really cool thing about what Function is doing though is that everything's made in the U.S. with recycled products and Lanny had some really refreshing thoughts to share on not being overly greedy with his business but instead on his focus to run a brand that he believes in and a story that he really really wants to tell. So here's Lanny on his brand function. So, um, okay, so you are you the founder of this brand? I am the founder. Okay, uh, I founded and it
1: with uh, one more guy, and um, but I uh, I bought him out. Okay. Um. about four years ago now. Okay. Um. And yeah, we were snowboarding instructors at Copper. Okay. And him and his girlfriend were, were making masks for uh, added income and they broke up. And he didn't want to do it anymore. But people were coming to him cash in hand. And uh, saying like, look, I'll pay for everything. Just make me a freaking mask. I don't want somebody <laughs> else's. And it's, um. And uh, I couldn't keep listening to him turning it down. And at that time, he was, was my best friend, like guy that you spend every minute. Of your, okay, we're done at ski school. You coming over? Cool. Like half the time, we'd wake up on my couch instead of at home. And, um, so he just said, "Look, we spent our whole time in my house not doing anything. Let's buy a sewing machine." So he did. He bought a sewing machine. We started sewing. Like. He knew how to sew already, I had to learn, so I was doing a lot of like the handwork.
0: You literally like made them yourself.
1: You still do. But yes, 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 yes. We literally, the two of us, we'd sit at the sewing, we'd get home from ski and ride school at 5 o'clock in the evening, chill on the couch for half hour, and then down, sit and sew until your finger almost slips under the sewing machine, under the, uh, Needle because you're falling asleep. It's one o'clock in the morning, and you got to get up in six hours to go to ski school.
0: And you started like you guys were just selling them to friends or like people that were in your ski yeah. school, like just people who are around you already. Backpack
1: got to get to your locker. People are already lining up at the locker what do you have today because you're it, like
0: that guy that opens up his
1: jacket yeah, with all
0: the watches totally. inside oh like, i love that. we didn't have
1: anything set we'd get home and be like so what color combinations do we want to put today so every every day people would come like so what's next what do you got what do you got and then all of a sudden they come to us at lunch any chance you want to skip lunch run to the locker room and grab that backpack of yours why i have 10 level ones and six want one of your masks like no kidding Okay, cool. And then friends from other ski resorts were calling and saying, hey, send me 20. I want to sell them a mile off. Like, it's March, guys. You're not going to sell face masks. Just send them. Less than a week, they sell them. Call us. We need more. This is, this is crazy.
0: Wait, I had to pause you there. Like, what's so, talk about your mask, because this is audio, so people can't see. Like, what's yeah. so special? Like, what are, what so are people first loving all, about them? So
1: first of all, what you're seeing here has nothing to do with the masks I'm telling you about. Okay. From back then. Okay. Back then, there was no technology. We didn't know anything about anything. And
0: back then is? It
1: is 2011. Okay. Um, we didn't know anything about anything. We uh, We were actually using furniture upholstery at one point. Because um, it was suede and it was really nice mm-hmm. on your face. Okay. Now it didn't breathe, it didn't wick moisture, it didn't anything. We weren't even thinking about that. Our one con, our one more point of focus was we we're instructors, and there was no mask, so it'd stand up and cover our face without us having to put it over our nose. We we're instructors; we can't put things over our nose. We constantly have to show our face, so we came out with a mask that would stand up, be stiff. So was you
0: solved a the problem that you had yourself?
1: Yes. It wasn't for anybody else. Everybody else just had that problem. Um, but then we went to A-Basin. A-Basin was our first shop. Um, we just walked in in like late March or early March and said, hi, we're local. We make these at home. Can you buy them? <laughs> and they bought 20 on that premise that we make them ourselves in a condo in Silverthorne. Wow. Um, and then uh, they sold out of those 20, again, mid-March in less than a week. Wow. Said, all right, give us 40. And gave them 40 and sold out of those in less than a week in April. Like end of season. End of season. What is going <laughs> on here? We're all, we're all skimming ponds on, on, you know, uh, on snow. And you guys are selling fleece face masks? Like, okay. All right. So that's when, like, all right, we have something. So we went to different stores in Breck and Summit County. Um, then I got on the road and drove to th- around the whole state.
0: You just hawked in.
1: Yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden it's like, wow, we got. Well, it was it was a lot then. We had 2,400 masks ordered, um, and uh, we, we do that in a week. L- less. Than a week. Yeah. Um, and. Um, Yeah, it just, we got some friends to help us for like swag and whatever, and turned my whole house into a production space. Like there was rum room with the sewing machines, another room was packaging, another room was QC, and my bedroom was HR and stuff because I'm the owner. Um, And yeah, it just started going, and from there it just blew up, so.
0: So we're here at OR, you guys have a really nice big corner booth, um, which is like a big way to come from like sewing these out of your condo in a small yep. ski town in Colorado. Um, I'd love to know, like, what are you guys seeing right now? So there's a shift in the industry with like retail versus direct-to-consumer, like how is that going? What's working, what's not working? Are you guys having to kind of evolve on the fly? Um, so, just Yeah, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: So I feel... Uh, yeah. What people don't consider, don't think about is how each product category works online. So I'm an accessory. My sales happen at the resort. So Arapahoe Basin, this little tiny corner shop, sells triple what a city shop does. Because you buy your boots and you buy your pants and you buy all of that at Colorado Skingles. Right here, down down in town. You're not going right, to buy it on a, the mountain. But even if you own a face mask, you probably forgot it. <laughs> and where are you going to get it? On the mountain. So it's an accessory item. People are most going to get it online. Uh, sorry, on the mountain. So online for us is not very big.
2: Okay, interesting. Um,
1: then there is the. I'm not sure if you're aware of the platform of like Shopatron or Kibo, where they we would receive the orders on our website and then the retailer would fulfill those orders.
0: Oh, right, yeah.
1: We tried that. Retailers don't want to fulfill our orders. It takes them just as long to walk over and pack a pair of skis for $300 as it does to walk over and package a $20 face mask. Doesn't
0: make sense. Forget
1: the face mask. Yeah. You know, so we tried it. We wanted to be all about our. Retailer. We didn't want to do anything to hurt the retailer. The retailer couldn't care less. So now we sell direct. Yeah. And it's working okay for us, but again, we don't do large volumes. So it's not a big deal to us, and I don't think it's a big deal to our retailers because I doubt they feel anything. If they say anything, they're always welcome to use Shopatron or still use it, just they don't. Yeah. Um, my opinion is about the companies who are going completely direct to consumer is that, I mean, I, I don't see how, I personally don't see how that's fair. Like, I just sold, I just sold to a shop. They just spent their money with me and now I'm going around their back and selling Christmas gifts on my lips. I, I'd be upset, personally, like if someone did that to me. I mean, now you're competing with. Them. Why are you competing with? You now, if if there are certain items that they only sell on their website and nowhere else, or there, there's a million things to do not to upset people, but yeah. again, it's the same reason I think that we are successful where others say it's impossible. Is the whole world today wants a margin that. Really isn't attainable. Meaning, it used to be amazing when you finished your year at fifteen percent, at twenty percent margin. Wow, right? Or uh, now, if you're not making a hundred percent on, like, at the end of the year, well, someone's getting fired and something's wrong. So that's why everyone's in China. Everyone uses the cheapest, junkiest products or, or raw materials they can, in hopes of getting away with it. I mean, and then even the uh, so, and then really the large brands, the mega brands, they're doing the same thing. They just put their name on it, and then they can charge you four hundred dollars for a hundred fifty dollar jacket. Yeah. Right, but it's not like they're doing anything special. Only some of them. Yeah. Right. I mean, Columbia with their uh, uh, what was what was it called? They came with. Um, they came out with this whole heat management thing. Oh right, right, right. Omni, Omni, uh, Omni heat. Look at that. Twenty other brands have it, but they actually created it. They spent a million dollars making it. The rest, of it, I mean, you know, like yeah, it's just I'm not for it. I, I think it's not right. I think there 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 should be a process, and if people don't want to follow the process, then a lot of other people will get hurt.
0: And that's a core value of your business. You guys are all made in the U.S.
1: 100% made in the U.S. A lot of it here in Colorado. 100% here in Colorado.
0: Oh, wow, okay.
1: Everything's done under one roof. Wow. Uh, And then the whole company is there, so.
0: Here in Denver.
1: Yeah, so we didn't separate our sales team and put them in a cool spot downtown and then a factory out there. Everyone's in the same building under the same roof um, I truly believe that's important our reps love it because I mean how many sales reps can tell their clients that they know all the selling staff like they know everybody
0: it gives them these really cool stories and insights to talk about if anybody
1: and, like, goes oh, come on really made in the USA goes yeah. here's a picture off my phone yeah okay? I was there yesterday
0: yeah right?
1: um, and and again hundred percent all of our fabric is a hundred percent recycled so um again where i look at the industry and everyone's greedy i could be making more money off of beach mask if i wasn't using recycled content how much more eh, not that much more and if i can do it and i'm already made in the usa right i'm already screwed there and now i'm using all 100 recycled flat fiber i'm what else are we doing? We don't have any minimums on our products. We manufacture year-round, instead of between this time and this time. You know, that's the only time you can order type thing. So, um, I just like to challenge the status quo. And
0: well, I mean, I think it's really cool. It sounds like there's a really big and relatable story behind your brand. and. From what I see, and not just the apparel industry, but other industries and and with the consumer in general, like people want stories. At the end of the day, they're not just buying this product. Like yes, it has a function and it serves a purpose, but the story behind it is just as valuable, I believe. And I think it's becoming more and more valuable as certain industries are going in certain directions.
1: So Ken Gart, do you know who Ken Gart is? He started, I mean, his family owned Gart Sports.
0: Okay, Sports familiar Atho- with Gart Sports, 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 yeah. Authority. Yeah.
1: Um, and then he started SSV, which is now Vail Resorts Retail. Um, his, what he said, the reason uh, Sports Authority failed was they had no identity. When you look at REI, REI spends, wastes half of their floor space, right? Technically in retail, they're doing it all wrong. They're killing floor space for stupid mountain climb uh, uh, climbing walls.
0: But it's experience and story.
1: Exactly, you love walking into there. You walk into there and you feel like everyone around you is an expert in this and they only have the best stuff and they can't go wrong because you're in there. It's not
0: just a bunch of four ways and tables and racks with product. There's, there's the lifestyle behind it. Yeah. So um, that's really cool. Really great to chat with you, Lanny. Um, function? P-H-U-N-K-S-H-U-N. Yep. Where can we find you guys online?
1: Online at functionware.com. Awesome. Um, on amazon.com. Okay. And then uh, anywhere else, all retail, any, any state. And um,
0: at your favorite mountain shop.
1: Your favorite mountain shop.
0: And downtown. Okay, downtown too.
1: But all the mountains have their own custom graphics too. So if you want some customs, go there.
0: Yeah, a great vacation takeaway.
1: Exactly. Love it. Better than the mug.
0: Thanks so much, Lanny. Really enjoyed hearing your story and getting to meet you and learn about all the awesome stuff that Function is doing. Next up, I have Neil Kaplow from Sports Science. Neil's one of those amazing industry guys who's been doing this work forever. He's got really fun stories. He's just an absolute pleasure to talk to. I think you'll hear that right away when he and I start chatting. And he told me about his brand, Sports Science, that he launched in 2005 Now, this was a textile manufacturing company, and he was on the edge of the athleisure trend before it got started, before it turned into something big. So think back to when most activewear brands were still using really shiny polyester spandex blends. Think like Jane Fonda and a leotard. And Neil developed performance fabrications that felt and looked like cotton, that were things that people really wanted to wear, but had the performance of polyester. Like I said, he has tons of industry experience. He had previously done partnerships with brands like Tommy Bahama, Adidas, Nike, and Fila. And he has so many great insights into this industry. When he and I chatted at the Outdoor Retailer Show, he shares some of the lessons he's learned from building a brand, the value of finding the right partnerships for success, and also things he would have done differently in the 12 years that he ran Sports Science. All right, take it away, Neil.
3: I, look, I, we're intimate friends here. I completely trust you.
0: Um, okay. Grab, get should your, get, get your get social beer? lubricant.
1: Should I get my beer? <laughs>
0: yes. Pick up your social lubricant. I've got my vino. It's, it's the end of the day. Cheers. So good to
1: meet
3: you. So
0: good to meet you, too, Neil. Um, okay, so you like started in the textile business. Are we
3: live? Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Yes.
0: And, um... You did a lot of textiles for 20 years, and then in 2005, you were just telling me that you were on—you had this inkling—and you you started something.
3: Well, yes, and you say textiles. I always put a quote around that because it's really always been in the knit business, in the activewear business, and things like that. Although there were periods of times you do a little bit of everything, and in that earlier day. You know we were working doing a lot of brand development, a lot of brand building, a lot of merchandising again, primarily in the category, with a lot of top brands you know in the marketplace, you know, Tommy Bahama and as I said, and Adidas and Fila and I mean, we did work for Nike at some points in time, and everything else <clears throat> so anyway, that ran its course, and I always had and even when i even before we got into that. I was in the outdoor business. That was my roots. And the outdoor business is the epicenter of performance apparel. You know, you know, anybody else could say what they want. You know, athletics can talk about performance. I mean, none of these can hold a candle to what gets developed vis-a-vis the outdoor market. And those were my roots. So I've always had an affinity and I was always very outdoor active and, you know, and climbing and skiing and, you know, all that. And so, and I've always been a product person. So I felt like there was an opportunity as I saw that development of the whole performance category and it was all, t- you know, shiny and tight fitting and like, ew, you know, you wouldn't even want to, you touch you it. You think like spandex
0: from Spandex World in New York City and, and look, like.
3: And look, you know, the story when, when. Under Armour started that whole thing. It was that's what he was using. Yeah, that fabric. and this is
0: around like oh five ish.
3: Well, or. this was when Kevin started was like in the late nineties. Okay, you know. Yeah. Um, so now they're ten years old at this point in time. Yes. And so I said, you know. There's, I said, you know, they're doing a great job from a marketing point of view and penetration and stuff like that. And it's got everybody focused on all this performance stuff and everybody wants this shiny stuff, which I wouldn't wear on a bet, you know. And uh, I wouldn't wear it to go to the bathroom, you know. It's like, it's just...
0: (laughs) It's not jazzercise in the 80s. I have
3: such a funny story to tell you. So... um, so I said, you know, and again, you have this outdoor thing. I said, look, if you can come up with an outdoor product, you know, excuse me, with a per- full performance product that has a more better connection, you know, you can wear it and not feel like you're goofy and all that stuff. And you can wear it whenever you want, but performs when you need it to. That's That's what you want. And that was the vision. Like, that, real performance, athleisure. Real performance. I say... I mean,
0: can I use that yeah. word?
3: Yes. Well, okay. athleisure gives me the willies a little okay. bit.
0: Okay. But, but, but real but performance, it, but, like, clothes you actually is, want to wear.
3: Yes. Yeah. And this
0: is back in 2005 before a lot of people were
3: talking about this. Completely. Yeah. Completely. And, it, and, and, you know, and it does irk me that I was so dead right. I mean, I take comfort in that. Um, and we just, you know, and I'm sure some of it was me, and I'm sure some of it was just the way the ball bounced, and, you know, it's just stuff happened. But, but Go ahead. But anyway, so, you know, we just have sort of powered along and muddled along, and, uh, you know, and, and then you see all these other people coming up with stuff in that category which just validates the vision. and um, And so, you know, that's... I mean, you you ran it for thirteen years because well twelve because
0: you said you just sold it three months ago, so it ran its course and it did well. But you made a comment before I hit record, and this was, I want to talk about this because it was like right in the moment. I said, "Wait, I got to pull out the recorder. Let's do a quick interview." And you said, um, "Are you okay? if I kind of say what you said?"
3: I think I don't know. I don't <laughs> remember what I said. Remind me.
0: You said, um, "You know, you had this vision in two thousand five, and like you were on it, like you were spot on." And you go, "If I only had." the fucking capital. And, like, I'd love to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, like, what were the challenges with
3: that? I will tell you this. I knew from having run my own business for 20-some-odd years... Prior. Which, you know, we built to a reasonable size. um, You know, I will tell you, you know, one of the most important things is and you know not everybody can do it you know sometimes I think I've done it well sometimes I feel like I haven't is know where you're good and know where you're not and where you're good you know try to leverage as much of that as you can and where you're not you better get some freaking help you know And I knew I did not want to run the company. Mm. I didn't want to deal with all the shit behind the door and making it all happen. What did you want to do? I wanted to go create the product and go create the, you know, I wanted to go light off the fireworks. Okay. You know, and I'm good at that. So I approached a company that we had been doing some work with and I'd been consulting with and collaborating with and stuff. And I said, hey, I got this idea. What do you think? And they go like, we love it. Let's do it. And, um, they, and, we, and we started thing, and like a year down the road, give or take, um, they were sold. And they were way bigger than I was. Mm. I mean, they were, I don't know, maybe like a 70 or $80 million company, mm. and they got bought um, by a big, I don't know if we can say names or whatever it so is. So to you. I don't care. You can say what you want. Um, It was a company by the name of Funtees and they were bought by Delta. And you know, Delta is like an 800 pound gorilla. And it was a really, it it, it didn't, when I say it didn't go well from my perspective standing on the sidelines, forget its impact to me, there were a lot of people at Funtees, all of which I really cared about, and it was this classic case of, this is fine, I could say, say this on the interview because no one could see it. It was this classic case of like this, you know, where left hand was not even close to touching the right hand. You know, all Funtees did was special makeup stuff, and all Delta wanted to do was, like, make white T-shirts. So the whole thing really got turned sour very quickly. And, you know, because we were new to the whole thing at Fontes, we got pushed to the sidelines, which was completely fair and appropriate. You
0: at Smart Science, your sport science, sport science. Excuse me, as as partnering with funtees Yeah, and I mean that.
3: because we were like you know new new things, so sure. they had way bigger so issues to try to. Yeah. you know, so so finally about a year later, we kept hanging on, saying like, okay, it'll get better, it'll get better, it'll get better, and it really finally didn't, or it wasn't getting any better, and. No, I They said to, uh, and you know, through some of the people I've always, you know, stayed close with and some still to this day, you know, they said, look, we don't know when this is going to get better or if it's going to get better. And we can't be what we all intended to be together. You need to, you know, get out of here before you, before. Get out while you can. Right. And um, and we did, and I did, and they were still very supportive. They were terrific, you know. But there was a difference between being supportive and having all the infrastructure and guts that go with it. Yeah. So um, you know, so now you're left with trying to go, continue to keep this thing on course, and try to find somebody new. And it just, it's very difficult. And
0: it's difficult to do on your own.
3: Very. And you need... Well, because I never wanted, you know, I, I run a big enough business and my vision was bigger that I never built this thing to be a corner grocery store. The vision was always, it was going to be more significant. I don't mean, it didn't have to be like, a you know, hundred million dollar company, but it wasn't going to be a corner grocery store. So that needs certain resources and that needs certain you know, in terms of people, in terms of money, in terms of all that stuff.
1: And, um,
3: you know, and it just didn't work out, so...
0: So you were, I mean, it's, it's a little, I don't know if bittersweet might be the right word. Like, you were able to sustain the company for a very substantial amount of time. You just yeah. sold it. Like, that's, that's a huge success, yes. I, I think. I yes. don't know the, yes. the terms yes. or how it yes. went. But, and but
3: you know what? The terms don't even matter. Sure. The fact that I was able to put it in a box and package it and put a bow around it and yeah. have somebody pay me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you did it for all that time, and um, so you know, you're uh, so on the forefront of that a trend. So pat on the back
3: because I persevered, or a smack in the head because I was stupid?
0: Well, why do you say you were stupid? What do you because, think that you would have done differently? I would consider
3: I say that facetiously, of course, yeah, to some degree. But, but I really,
0: like, looking back, do you think you did some things that you could have oh, done better? I of course. Better? Of I mean, course. Okay. Of course.
3: Look, we all think of things we could do better. Yeah. Um, I think I would have put more effort in earlier to finding a replacement partner mm. for Fun Tees. Okay. You know, because they would have been, that would have been great. And once everybody got their stride, it would have worked out well. And I think we could <laughs> have done something very special. So she, she, and she it was no one's fault that that, that that happened, that that happened, that. happened yeah. when it happened. Yeah, just life, right? Yeah, you know, shit happens. So that's you know, I don't not totally okay with all that. You know, you go and say, "Oh shit," and kick the dog and move on. You know.
1: Yeah.
3: But um, you know, I probably tried longer than I probably spent more time trying to keep everything on track and keep it moving forward than that's trying serious. to find somebody to step in and Everyone replace it. it. And I think I would have done that like, oh God, I'm, I'm sure so I could bad. probably give you 10 things I would have done differently, but that's one of them. Okay.
0: So um, instead of maybe trying to kind of like manage and finagle it all yourself and keep it on track, like just, it's probably worth it to spend the effort to find the right resources, partners, experts to, to collaborate with, to do it together.
3: Not probably.
0: Is. Okay. I love that. Awesome, Neil. Thank you for chatting. Is there anywhere people can find you online? I know you just sold the company, but... Yeah,
3: absolutely. And I'm still very involved. Actually, Kevin is the new CEO of the company. Awesome. And um, so, uh, yeah, you know, sportsciencewear.com. Fantastic. And it's it's amazing product. You know, there's never a shirt we've sold that we just still... I mean, I have people who sold shirts six and seven and eight years ago, and they go, like, it's still my favorite T-shirt Yes, today. I love that. I swear to God. And I walk into store that we in some cases haven't done business with in like a year or two or something like that, especially now we've just got well re-energized with the new acquisition. And I walk in the store and they're freaking wearing my shirt. That has to feel good. Oh,
0: feels awesome. Yeah. feels awesome. I love it. Thank you for your time. Next up, I have Aleda Junda with Soyboo. Now, kind of like... Neil, Soyboo was on the edge of the athleisure trend as well. They were doing this athleisure type of product before athleisure was really a thing. To be honest, back then, I don't even know if that's what we called it, if that was the name that we used. But it's really cool because Aleda shares the story of sort of how they married two different product types together and they put it into the market and it just blew up. So it's really cool to kind of hear about how they got started with the athleisure trend. She also shares a lot about their partnerships with their retailers and and how they really focus on making that a beneficial relationship for both parties. So it's It's interesting to hear how brands are adapting to this direct-to-consumer model, which can be challenging when you look at selling direct on your website or selling directly through Amazon, which she talks a little bit about how they're handling that, and then pairing that with the partnerships that you still need to maintain with your wholesalers. So I really, really love some of the insights she has and how much this brand cares about maintaining those relationships and creating a win-win situation for everybody within the industry. All right, let's hear it, Elena. Awesome. So you are Elena with Soyboo. Tell us a little bit about your brand and what you guys do.
4: Um, okay, so let's see. Our brand Soyboo is about eight years old. It's one of many brands, actually, that we manufacture under Active Fashion Group here in Denver, which, let me take that. We don't manufacture here in Denver. Our company's here in Denver. So Soyboo is a outdoor-inspired athleisure brand. Yeah. So it kind of... It comes a little closer to that than maybe some other athleisure brands out there. Yeah. We have a good mix of performance and lifestyle. Uh, and we've just been out there doing it. We've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing it for 18 years. Wow,
0: a long time. Yeah. Wait, so I think this is actually really cool because you guys started doing athleisure. I, I'm going to put you in that category. out there. Yeah. Like before it was a thing.
4: That's absolutely true. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, I'm a big yogi. I've seen you guys around forever, which is really cool. Um, like, did you have any force or were you like, let's just do this?
4: Like, What was that inspiration? Well, one of the things that was interesting was we, we had worked already with a lot of sporting goods companies, like, and you know, one of the big ones we had worked with in the past was Sports Authority. But so we had those relationships, and we did start seeing a need from our sourcing side. We were doing a lot of more resort wear under Soyboo, and we started to see both the resort and the sporting goods people were really looking for this athleisure product. So for us, it was a combined Of the performance that we kind of were already doing, and this more athleisure coming in from the resort side, and it just was magic. We started putting it out there, and we were like, this is a product people really want. And when we really started putting the performance fabrics in the lifestyle garments, like dresses and things where they were unexpected, it really took off. Because today's modern woman really doesn't want dresses that they have to really be careful with or screw around with, they want to put them on, they want to wash them easily, they want them to move with them and do what they want. And so it just, it happened kind of organically like that yeah. and then it just obviously blew up.
0: Yeah. Um, and so we're here at Outdoor Retailer, and you guys do some direct to consumer and and some wholesale. Um, how like what are you seeing in the market as far as for you guys? Um, with a little bit of a shift in the consumer and, and more brands, it, it maybe arguably more of the startup, any brands going direct to consumer, like how has so that affected funny. your brand or are you guys noticing a shift that you're having to try to adjust to? Or? Well, we're
4: certainly seeing that. I think first, definitely the athleisure space has gotten a lot more crowded. Yeah. You know, so we've had to adjust to that. But we're finding that really direct consumer and web-based sales are critically important. We just, it goes along though, with a little bit of what I was saying earlier, which is convenience is just king to our customer. People want to go online. Stores, and what and One of the things I think that's really happened at retail that's made it so tough is the stores have so many locations that they just can't keep the inventory they, they need in every one. They've spread it out so much that the customer goes to the place and then they just don't have the size they want, they don't have the color. So if we go online and we can solve those problems for them, and we have them. Yeah. But we fortunately have enough of a base that people have kind of followed us there. Yeah. I think that's a real challenge is, is a little bit if you're unfamiliar with it. Um, what, so what we're really hoping to do is get further ahead on that, online, telling our brand story, really making the customer understand it. We always stand really behind our products. We love them, you know, but you've got to get them out there and get them on people.
1: Yeah.
4: And then we'll continue to really pursue our Wholesale partners support them and then try to figure out, you know, what we can do with them and our own experience to really help us all kind of survive this retail situation, which has gotten challenging. Has it? Yeah. It's just there's so many stores. The customer is, I think, overwhelmed. You know, they go to a lot of places, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't seem that different. It's not that obvious. You used to go to a store and then Salespeople were really educated, it could tell you a lot about things, and that's not really true anymore. And frankly, I mean what's that's been replaced with which is somewhat sad is people just go and look for reviews on Amazon, yeah. even if they're gonna buy it in the store yeah. because there's a way to see what everyone's experience is with yeah. it. You know that there's a lot of things about Amazon that I think are very challenging. Are you guys
0: Amazon on Amazon? We're on there, yeah. we have
4: a limited product review on there, okay. so we don't always give them all of the products. Um, <laughs> But it's good for exposure and yeah. for getting the stuff out there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just challenging some of our retail partners, you know, don't love that. So you have to always try to balance that a little bit. And so that's really where we're at in terms of wholesale resale strategy going forward is how can we get more control by probably taking more of the sales off onto our own website or with more with really trusted partners. Yeah. And then just making sure we respect what our retailers need yeah. to not be cannibalized as business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just chatting before you got here with one of your sales reps about the line it's fantastic by the way Um, and you know you guys have like some velour pieces and some macrame details and it's so funny I was like that's like I wasn't I was wearing navy and velour in the 90s or you like late 80s but we were talking about this 20 year cycle you know like four years ago I never would have thought I would wear navy leggings and now I'm like I love navy and I'm I'm not into the velour thing but I get it (laughs) Um, and the macrame details and so it's just so interesting like any comments on you know kind of what you're seeing and, and as far as trends or like what you guys
2: are thinking about or what's working
4: yeah I mean I certainly especially in the really young set you're seeing like almost a night. it's like a complete 90s reboot some of the stuff it's normally a trending you kind of see it coming back reinvented yeah. it's been crazy to see it almost not reinvented at all <laughs> and there comes a point in your life like where I'm at where it doesn't seem like that was that long ago <laughs> you're like uh, this again this is back i like was it ever gone? Yeah. Um, and so you're seeing that. We're seeing from a color perspective for many, many years, very bright, very vibrant colors, especially in the athleisure <laughs> space have been important. And we're seeing that people are just liking this more mellow thing. So like in our fall line we have a, what I would now call new neutrals, like olive greens, a really soft purple. So they're colors, and our customer really loves color, but they're color that is easier to wear. Yeah. And not so, like vibrant and you know everyone still loves that too so you see that happening you're seeing things move more towards the browns browns have been out for a long time but now gold and russet browns are starting to come back and so you want that doesn't work entirely in athleisure but you want to kind of go that way to start supplementing people with that so we've gone with olive green is definitely the color of the moment Yeah. Everything green, 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 which is fine with me because that's my favorite color.
3: There
0: you go, perfect. Yeah. So today's the first day of outro Retailer, and um, you guys have done the show before, but this obviously your first time in Denver, but yeah. you were in, in Utah before. You have done it. We have. Yeah. Okay. And has it is it a good show for you guys? And yeah, it
4: started out really good. Yeah. I love. I mean, it's been a little weird being here in Denver because we're not used to being in the same place where the trade shows are at. So it's almost like too easier to set up. Yeah. We're like, well, if we forget anything, we can just go get it. So that's been weird. But it's been good. I'm really happy it's here in Denver. I think all the reasons that we that, that move happened are important. Yeah. Do you guys do a lot of shows throughout the year? No, we do this one. We do Active Collective. Okay. And then what we found is a lot of, you can get really much better face time with the customers if you go meet them in their offices and stuff, too. So our bigger ones, we kind of do that more. Okay. And then um, our, you know, we have a whole staff of independent reps that go out there. They have a lot of local shows. I'm not an expert on that, but they do sure. that, and they go sure. see them.
0: Um, But the value does come with like building those relationships and getting out there and like and going to meeting with them and getting that face to
4: make sure it's priceless. And at a show like this, it's good for us, though, so from the design department. We have a no, number of partners here that we work with in the sourcing and with the fabric people. So yeah. it's nice to be able to come here and meet with them. Sure. They have all their product lines, so you yeah. can page through it. Yeah. So it's a good opportunity. Yeah,
0: that's fantastic. Well, thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Where can everybody find you guys online?
4: Okay, well, soybu.com is yes. the best place.
0: S-O-Y-B-U dot yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for chatting. Yes, yeah, thank you. Thanks so much, Aleda from Soyboo. Really enjoyed hearing everything you guys are working on and can't wait to see what's to come for you. Next up, I chatted with Bob Hyman of All City Artwear. This is such a cool story, what Bob is doing. He is creating this amazing partnership between these urban artists and giving them a canvas to showcase their art. And the canvas is apparel. So Bob's been in the industry forever, and he knows how to make product. So he's working with these urban artists who create these awesome designs and and giving them this platform and this canvas to get their art out into the world in ways that they might not have been able to on their own. So I love the partnership and how he's built All City Artware to do Something really amazing for his community. Uh, it's a great story of how they work together to to build. An audience build buzz around what they're doing. And I'll give you a heads up on this interview. I started the recorder a little early on when Bob and I sat down to chat. And sitting at the table uh, was also my business partner, uh, my, my freelance contract design partner in crime, Anne. So she and I were at the trade show together the second day. And she sat down and we all kind of started chatting. So if you hear a third person talking, that's Anne. And I left the beginning part in the episode because I really liked some of the stories that we talked about and some of the concepts and the mindsets in terms of starting a business and building a brand that we discussed. So just wanted to give you a heads up on that.
5: You know what? I walk this show, uh-huh. and I see how jaded people are. Uh-huh. I'm 61, uh-huh. so I see how jaded people are, and I see how much people are getting their ass kicked, and how difficult it is. Uh-huh. You know, and then I'm grateful that I'm doing something different. Yes. Because uh-huh. the goal is right. to monetize it in a way that it all just works right. out. Yeah. You know, but I don't want it to be about the money. Right. I want it to be about the, the cross- brand, and, the community, the right. process, and building it and building and them up, the one, making them successful. Gary Vee's great, but I think some of what he says is kind of high If I had 200 million in my bank, I can give away my stuff for free. he's really not giving it away for free. But the one thing he is right about, that I think he's right about, is that the grind to get you there is really where it's at. Once you is. Once you get there, it's nice, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like when you get to the top of the hill and you've done it and you get that elation and it's like, yes. great, what's now, next? it's,
0: it's exactly. all about the journey. Are you familiar with a guy named um, Sean Acor? Um, he was a keynote speaker at an event I was at, and he is um, brace yourself, he's a happiness researcher, but Aww. his concept is phenomenal and he's done all this scientific research and it sh- it's proven that it's not, the happiness does not come from reaching the end point, the happiness comes from the path.
5: Oh, I get agree you with there, that.
0: and it's all about like you, because once you get to that goal, then it's like, okay, well, next, what's the next goal? What's the next promotion? What's the next raise? What's the next big company sale? Like, Listen, what's the next? I, so it's many, true. It's this, You have to true. enjoy that process. That's the, what. The, that's what it is.
5: Look, there's so many life lessons that I've learned along the way in this business. This business is really about life, mm-hmm. you know. And it doesn't matter whether you're making a garment, you're making fabric. Never. At the end of the day, you have to go through the process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the process that's really exciting. Right. Once you get there, it's kind of like, nice. Yeah. Yeah. What's next? Yeah. You know, for me. Well, you get
0: that moment of excitement, and that dies really fast. So.
5: It does for me.
2: I was just at the PGA show, just the first part of this week. So there was, I was meeting with a gentleman, and he bought and sold companies over and over. And I go, well, what are you doing here now? I go, oh, you can't stay away. <laughs>
5: it's, a, it's like an addiction.
2: I go, I go, look, at you're is, totally yeah. set for life, and you're here. And, right? I mean, it's just really interesting, yeah. I think. Let me see. tell you,
5: there's a lot of guys in this business that make a lot of money, uh-huh. and part of it, I think, is ego. Uh-huh. You know, once yeah. you've made it, you know, you want to do it again, and again, and again. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people that, you know, that's what they live for. Yep. You know, they want to build businesses the they're process. serial entrepreneurs that's a great title for those people they're yeah. just serial entrepreneurs that's what some people can. are lawyers some people are doctors these guys are serial entrepreneurs It's a
2: great name for
5: they them. got are you recording in- they got keen instinct they understand what they're doing and it's and it's really about knowing yourself so mm-hmm. that if you see an opportunity you know to take it and they can't stay away yeah. I think know. that's
0: like where a lot of the exhilaration and the fun comes in mm-hmm. like I don't know that's where that's where you get the excitement and the the crazy roller coaster up and down and that's like part of the, the journey it's like yeah, kind it's called, of doing this fu- that it's every called
5: dysfunction everybody, <laughs> <laughs> everybody likes to you know ride on that train but mm-hmm. it's exciting to build companies it's great but I've learned as I went along when I was younger I was really greedy I wanted the brass ring I wanted to get that brass ring and say it's mine never attained it because that was my only goal the goal's gotta be bigger and, you, and that comes with years of learning. You know, I was selfish. I was self-centered. You know, I thought I could do this all on my own. I got it all figured out. I, You know, no. Nobody gets there by themselves. That's a very true statement, and that's not unique to me. That's just the true yeah. statement. Yeah. And I think the whole journey of getting there, the excitement of getting there, and if you're really smart, you really do it altruistically, you'll get the results you're looking for. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean you don't want to you know, have some success, you know sure, you you, know, you to wanna think about that. You wanna like, think about internalizing reality. it. Right. But you gotta be altruistic about it. You gotta be there to help people. So all city artwork for me. Yeah. I guess, like you said, it's giving back. Mm-hmm. But it's really more about I like mentoring. That's a big thing for me. And these young kids, are, you know, and they don't have to be young. I mean, I also work with people that are young, but they're all phenomenal creatives that really are great. And they're all looking for another canvas. So we give them the canvas of apparel, hats. And we're gonna—we're not doing it yet, but we're going go to backpacks and other things so that they could put their art on there. Yeah. And we have a really great deal. We split. The we split the money with them 50 50.
1: yeah so fantastic. you
5: know so it works out really well and they're great and they've been really receptive and they're a lot smarter than i am on social media so <laughs> let them i let them work that i still haven't figured social media out yet
3: it is a
0: it's a very beast. it's you know
5: i didn't grow up with that so i'm learning my kids it's second nature to them but i am uh, i am learning
0: well by the time you figure one out like i finally get find, like, instagram down and there's like snapchat and like yeah. i don't know what they disappear in 24 hours and it gets overwhelming no,
5: I, ju- I just let them do that yeah i just try to direct them you know try to be like the producer the director yeah and they can manage it we let them we give them the product they sell it on their own instagram sites they do we have a website and we do that as well and we do facebook ads and those types of things but i'm trying to learn the whole social media side of it that's a really tough learn for someone like myself who didn't grow up with it yeah you know it's really a young person's game that yeah. i that i do agree with
0: um can you introduce yourself really quickly bob and yes gives, like, a little bit of
5: context <laughs> my name is bob hyman my company is All City Artware. Actually, I'm one of the owners. I have another owner who uh, is my partner who lives in Atlanta. He was very instrumental in getting Ocean Pacific, the brand, off the ground many years ago. So OP. OP. So, him and I combined have almost 60 to 70 years of experience in this crazy business. So, um, and we started All City Artware with the concept of really taking creatives and people that are urban artists, and we started in Miami, but it'll be for all over the United States where they could basically use the canvas of apparel to showcase their art. Now, not everything they do makes sense to put on a garment. Sure. So we help them merchandise and market and understand what does make sense so they could be successful.
0: So you're like the other half of the puzzle because they have the brilliant creative mind. You have the know-how and the industry expertise. And so you work with them to mentor them. Okay, this is how we can best execute this in a... Jacket, sweatshirt, hat, backpack.
5: Absolutely, absolutely. We we're we're the operational arm for them, so to speak. Yeah. You know, we and we also, if the product does really well, because everything we do is online. So everything is basically done via web based sales. But if so but if one of the products or the items does really well, we have the ability to take it to retail. Ah, So we give them that option as well, but that's got to be, you know, developed. That's not something that happens overnight. You can't walk into a retailer and say, hey, here I am, because the retailer's going to say, who are you? Who are you selling? You know, how are you supporting this? How are you going to bring people to our store? So that's why the social media part of it is critical, as it is in anything you do today. But we also have the ability, and that's what my partner brings to the table, his ability to take product to retail.
0: So you guys have an online store that represents how many artists roughly?
5: Right now we have Roughly about five.
0: Okay. And 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 you're getting marketing and promotion and traffic to that site via the independent artist doing the social media. Correct. And, and that's kind of how you're building the audience and engagement.
5: As we also are doing our own work to develop the engagement as well. So okay. it's a, it's basically, we allow them to promote it on their Instagram site, Snapchat, however they want to do it. Yeah. But the one thing that we ask for is everything that they do, they have to hashtag All City artware. Oh, sure. So this way, you know, people know that All City Artware is collaborating with them or working with them, whatever the terminology you want to use, Yeah. you know, so that it's a joint effort. It's
0: a partnership.
5: It is a partnership. Yeah, that's really cool. How long
0: ago did you guys start this?
5: We started this a year and a half ago. Yeah. A year and a half ago. It's been a slow build.
0: Yeah, as anything is. And
5: you know what? We're not in a rush to do it quickly. We're in a rush to do it right. Yeah. And part of what we want to do is more podcasts like this, more educational podcasts. So, you know, young up-and-coming people that really want to start products and do their online understand what's involved. Yeah. You know, it's not that simple. It's not. You know. And
0: where did the idea come from? Like, how did this get initiated, and how did you kind of get in touch with these artists to get it off the ground? Uh,
5: the way it came to be was actually it's pretty interesting. My wife, who is an art was an art major and is okay. incredibly creative. We walked into a store in Wynwood in Miami, which is like the art district in Miami. And there happened to be a local artist there that was really hot, he's an urban artist, and we're fans of his, and we're fans of urban art. So I thought it would be a great idea to see if this guy wanted to do anything on shirts. Oh, okay. so,
0: he just had like canvases and posters and
5: stuff? They've got walls, they've got canvases, they, they're they really up and coming, they're like right on the verge of breaking out. Okay. So we were fans, we were buying the product, so I thought what a great idea, right? I grew up in the hip hop culture, I grew up with graffiti and I grew up with all the Art And I thought this would be like a really nice change to do something that was cool, was different. So I got together with my partner I said, look, here's my idea. And I said, what do you think? He thought it was great and just evolved. And we've been pivoting. I mean, it started one way it pivoted, pivoted another way. So now we're a platform really for these up and coming young artists. And we're also working with a local New World School we have two artists from the New World School which is kind of the College of Arts in Miami and we have two young guys one guy does anime another guy does something else yeah. and we're going to be basically doing work for them as well so it's evolving yeah. it's evolving it's, that's it's, very cool. which we're very happy about yeah. and it's fun it's fun to do something different yeah. you know and something that quite honestly I enjoy watching these young guys and girls really succeed Yeah. so it's kind of cool for I me and when they
0: see their stuff selling and people wearing it that's like the one amazing I Get excited! Yeah, you know,
5: I stop people and say, "Hey, we made that." You know, yeah. it's like a little kid. I love that. So you know what? For me, if I can have that kind of feeling, yeah you know that's worth it it's
0: priceless for me yeah yes it is so where can everybody find you guys online and check out what you're doing
5: they could find us online at allcityartware.com okay. and if you just go on the website you'll see the artist you'll see what's up you'll see all the things that we have yeah and it's continually going to be updated on a regular basis
0: awesome great to chat with you thank you for oh thank you time. for you
5: too thank you for taking the time and i love your podcast you're they're so great sweet. thank you super thank you
0: Thanks so much, Bob. Really, really cool stuff you guys are doing with All City Artwear, and it was so fantastic to meet and chat with you at OR. Next up is Ashley Schendel with PopFit Clothing. PopFit Clothing took a completely different, unique, and kind of risky approach to launching their brand, but it worked. It worked. They went viral on Instagram by offering a free pair of leggings to new customers. Now, if you're on Instagram and you follow or you do anything with like yoga or activewear, chances are you've probably seen their sponsored posts. And the concept behind this was really cool. Ashley believed that if they just got their product into people's hands, they knew their product was so good that once people got it in their hands, they'd order more. And like I said, it absolutely worked. In 2017 alone, they distributed over 350,000 pairs of leggings. The other really cool part of Ashley's story is that she started the brand with no industry experience and now has a 16-person team of all women working with her. So here's Ashley's story of how she started Pop Fit Clothing and how she got it all started on Instagram. So, yeah, I mean, I would love to just kind of hear, um, so we're here at Outdoor Retailer and you are PopFit, Ashley. Yes. So, tell us a little bit about your brand and who you guys are and what you do.
2: Sure. So, PopFit Clothing, we have about 12 different kinds of pockets. We realize that pockets are key and all of our pockets fit and are designed for an iPhone 8 Plus, but they're designed to just fit them. That way, when you go to the bathroom and pull your pants down, your phone won't fall out. So, we have mesh pockets, we have front pockets, we have back pockets, we have side pockets, we have fabric pockets. Yeah. And all Our pockets are made to blend into the pant. So there's not anything in them, they're made to just literally look like a part of the pant or a different panel or something really fun.
0: Yeah. So, how long have you been
2: doing this? Like, how'd you get started? Sure. So, we launched in February. Less than a year ago. February of 2017. Oh my yep. gosh. So okay. We just turned a year actually like this week from launch. Um, we've sold 350,000 pairs on social media. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay.
0: So <laughs> um, I discovered you guys on Instagram yes. and you guys do this thing where yep. you get a free pair on
2: Instagram. Yep. And so talk a little bit about like that strategy and like sure. how has that worked for you? Sure. So we really believe in our leggings, right? So we wanted to make sure everyone could really know what profit's all about. And you can't do that unless you touch and feel it. Yeah. Um, going the retailer route for a new brand is really hard so we decided to go the Instagram route and just getting our pants out there. We get hit up all the time because we go from XS to XL and our XL um, is a true XL and our XS is a true XS. It's having this true size around people really appreciate the comfort and the functionality and we've just we've been really really lucky we have a great support team I mean our girls are amazing. Um, yeah, just a lot of hard work a lot of reaching out um, You've probably seen our ad a couple of times, but yeah. yeah. I mean we just really believe in our product and we believe if you get our product in your hand that you will be hooked. So, which is amazing, and I mean,
0: I told you a minute ago before we started the interview that I, I live in leggings, and I think a lot of Who us doesn't? do it Yeah. Um,
2: but, like, did you have a background in the apparel industry? No, so oh, I, I actually was in um, commercial real estate acquisitions um, for a REIT in Santa Monica, and I just saw my future 10 years down the hall, and I just knew I wanted more, um, so I was really lucky to have a boyfriend that was supportive and just was really pushing me to kind of do my own thing. Um, so we launched this and we just really took off. I have 16 employees right now, almost all of which are female, so we're really building just a brand that people can stand behind. I mean, all of my girls, they come to work in fit four out of the five days of the week. I mean, we just really, we're putting a lot into the engineering of the pant. We do a poly spandex blend, which is very different. Most people are doing a nylon blend, and we just, nylon's great, but it's not as comfortable. So our leggings are designed to, you can hit the yoga studio, and then you can go about your day. Yeah. They're really comfortable, they're high-waisted, and they're just a little bit softer and less constricting, but they're still supportive. Yeah. So I'm really tall, I'm 6'1", <laughs> so I was just really tired of leggings that kind of didn't make me feel good, right? They were a little bit boxy, they always cut me at the wrong space. Um, so we worked really hard to kind of do an all-encompassing line that really works on a variety of body types. Yeah, I spent a lot of time.
0: Now, you don't have to share any specific numbers, sure. but it sounds like this like dream of like, I was in real estate, I had this idea,
2: I launched this brand. Here yeah. I am a year later, less than a year, and Well, you- so we did launch another brand um, in December of 2015. Okay. Um, that's how I originally started, um, and I started by really just hitting um, the Asian market, going to find factories, going to do sourcing. Um, I spend about three months a year throughout China and Vietnam okay. really doing all of this, sourcing to get our margins, to get our designs, to do all of this. Um, so we've been really lucky to have that background so I could launch PopFit just really out of the blue and just come out hard. Yeah. Um, and so, so as I say, you can sh- you don't have to share any specific sure.
0: numbers, but like for people out there listening, they're like, I want to do this, I want to get this virality on sure. Instagram, or I want to do this alternative yeah. sort of distribution yeah. method. Like, What were the logistics behind this? Did you fund this yourself with
2: your savings? Did you have some VC? Like, how did you really make this no, happen? it's all self-funded by okay. myself yeah. um, and one other founder, um, okay. but I'm a majority shareholder, and it's definitely possible. If you have a good product and you just want to get it out there, like, people are receptive. People want yeah. good products. Yeah. I mean, we got pretty lucky with launching this kind of right as I think the leggings trend, like, people started wearing them to work, and so <laughs> I do think we got a little bit lucky with timing yeah. um, and just having a good product and just people really just starting to pick it up so we could just roll on that and just having these connections that I had before in Asia was really helpful as far as like our minimums and just getting started out with designs. So as you can see in the booth, we have like a hundred SKUs that we're launching for March. So we're just really lucky to now have the fall and be able to get these styles and designs just really where we want them to be and just to yeah. be able to have enough variety. Because yeah. for us, variety is key. Our price point is thirty-eight to fifty-five retail because we want our girl to be able to have five different leggings instead of one. Yeah, because we think you're wearing them five days a week, seven days a week. I wear them to bed sometimes. Our Lily. Our Lily are so comfortable. I wear them to bed a lot. I mean, they're the new sweatpants. They're the new jeans. I mean, I went to USC, and I looked like a boy. I wore really ugly, baggy sweatpants (laughs) that just made me look ridiculous. And I'm so jealous of girls in college nowadays that get to wear these really cute leggings. Yeah. I looked so bad. (laughs) Um, And obviously, you were very smart with the marketing side
0: of things. And, like, getting the name out there and distribution. I mean, you're all over Instagram. You're pushing that really hard. Yes. You're doing a ton of trade shows. You just listed off the next five shows you're to. Oh my going gosh, to. I know. So you're, you are you know, it's not just about the design and the product. like you have to get out there and push oh, it. Oh, for sure. Well, we did
2: our first trade show, Magic, last August. And we were, we literally called, I called up Magic. I called the Pool, which is where we're at, the Pool mm-hmm. trade show. It's for like startups, newer companies, newer brands a lot. And I called up and I talked to them. And I talked to the head and I literally just told them my story. And I was like, I've never done a trade show. We're not in any retail. And I started talking to them. And we were on the phone for four 45 minutes. He was so supportive, and they were just really excited about our brand and just getting some sort of like face to face with people. And we had a great reception at Magic. So we're like, okay, maybe we are onto something. (laughs) So we know the consumer likes it. We weren't sure how the buyers see us, the buyer's leggings, we're not no brand, but I mean, everyone's been really receptive, so I mean, we're hitting it hard this year, we're trying to really get our brand out there, that way people can see it in a store and be like, oh, profit clothing is legitimate, it's US-based, girl-run, like, we're really pushing the girl power, um, just company, we want people to know who we are and what we're about. Awesome, well, congratulations, this is thank really exciting, you.
0: Um, really cool to connect with you in real life after seeing you come through my feed so often. I know, <laughs> <laughs> well, I
2: appreciate that, thank you for the support. Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much, Ashley. Really cool to connect with you and hear what you guys are doing with PopFit Clothing. Next up is another really awesome man by the name of Cameron Ferreira. Now, Cameron is doing something very cool with his company, Carve for Cancer. Now, Carve for Cancer is actually a 501c3 nonprofit that, in their own words, shreds blood cancer. Something so cool about this group of people is that everybody at Carve for Cancer is an unpaid volunteer who's just dedicated to beating blood cancer. So they do all sorts of cool events. Uh, they show up at action sports events and and raise money and do fundraisers. And what they realized was that a lot of people wanted clothes. They wanted to buy, they wanted another way to support the cause. And so they wanted t-shirts or sweatshirts or something. So Carved for Cancer started putting out really basic screen printed t-shirts and sweatshirts. And I love sharing this story because it's such a different story than I would normally bring on the podcast but at the end of the day it's apparel they're building product and they're now just at the turning point where they're ready to go to the next stage they they've capped out I shouldn't say capped out but they're just ready to take it to the next level beyond basic screen printed apparel so I chatted with Cameron about their transition to trying to figure out how to take it to the next level and how to start offering more customized apparel what some of the interesting solutions they are doing and thinking about to take their product product to the next level and continue supporting their cause to shred blood cancer thanks so much Cameron take it away
6: are you? I'm Cameron Ferrar. I'm the executive director of Carve for Cancer. We're a 501c3 nonprofit that helps uh, raise money for cancer research by engaging the ski and snowboard industry as well as other action sports uh, activities.
0: Awesome. And so you guys put on a lot of events, and at those events, you decided you needed to sell product to create more more uh, money to support your cause. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, right? So Did I get that right?
6: Correct. Yeah. So uh, next weekend, February 3rd in the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania, Host our fifth annual event. Um, it's basically just a giant party on the snow. Uh, three stages of live music, a competition, uh, a massive gear and swag raffle, which is where we raise a lot of money as well. Yeah. Um, and just as a you know a fundraising point at that festival, we knew we had to have some sort of merchandise, some sort of product to sell to people, take away, um, you know, bring back to their friends and family if they weren't able to make it, for instance. And you know, this now being our fifth year, uh, we started that in our second year really, so we've really developed into more of almost a line of clothing, um, you know, where we are working with uh, a really nice designer who's who's donating some of his time to us, um, but also works with huge brands, Harley-Davidson, Audi, um, some other really great, uh, you know, top-tier sort of uh, manufacturers we'd like to work with in the future, but we are really grateful to have his design eye and his skill, um, and through that, we've got some great um, materials that are coming out now, are sort of, year does focus around our event so um we are right now getting the materials in from printing and everything like that and you know marking them up and organizing them for the event next weekend yeah um you know we sell a lot at our event then we move that material onto our online store um that goes throughout the year throughout the summer when we're doing other events and things like that people can purchase there and we'll ship it out and then we do generally some heavily discounted stuff for the holidays to move whatever we have else and then revamp that line and go back at it for our next year. Um, So, you know, we're all volunteers and uh, everybody who's helping with the mission um, as far as, you know, Everything from accounting to marketing to event production um, to, of course, the graphic design and, and you know, sort of uh, soft goods material production. So, um, but right now we're looking to get to that next level. Right now we're buying a sweatshirt and putting our logos on it, uh, but we're wondering how we do some of the nicer elements, uh, some some more custom items that aren't just a a, a shirt with a logo on it, um, maybe some leather tagging, which I think is really cool and in, in vogue right now with the industry, some other things that, that might come up in the future future so if there's anybody out there listening that would want to help with that that's certainly something we could use Um, and you know other marketing efforts of course are abound we do a lot of um, brand promo giving them goodwill visibility for making a donation but also using their products in an event or in a campaign right now we're gearing up to have a young man skate across the country so we're working with different vendors in that uh, realm you know backpack companies and stuff like that that will be able to you know give them visibility through blog posts um but also have him have the materials he needs to make it across the country and help us do some fundraising along the way yeah yeah it's really
0: cool and um your story is pretty different than anyone i've ever had on the show but i love how it kind of comes full circle back to close at the end of the day um so you guys are doing some sort of essentials with screen printing and um was that process pretty easy to kind of figure out and get started?
6: Yeah, I'm. I'm I come from an event production background. I have okay. a lot of other friends who do um, things like punk rock flea markets and stuff like that. So we have a lot of connections in the sort of artistic end of that, uh, and then also the screen printing end of that. Just because I've done a lot of work in music yeah. and bands, and they yeah. merch and all that. <laughs> so, um, but you know, so we just did. We just did our first knit hat, which took a while. It Was our longest production time element and probably one of our highest. Per piece minimum so we had to buy you know a certain number of pieces to get the, the, the knit hat made so that was something that we looked for the right vendor for two two and a half years to get it done correctly a long time and really something we wanted to do but you know I mean also through that time we were really growing and, and maybe weren't quite to that that minimum that we needed to get sure. to and now we're you know we've, we've gotten to that point so yeah. um, but I mean that piece we're super happy with I mean and excited to have it hit the mountain um, next weekend, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to sell out. In is Mozart.
0: this the first like launch of that item?
6: Yeah, oh, that's yeah. Really so, and actually, I just got the FedEx package with all of our shirts at my Airbnb. <laughs> so I'll be at the show tomorrow wearing all the stuff. That's really um, cool. Which is really cool. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. So as you guys kind of try to take it to the next level beyond like your basic screen printed product, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you said it said you took you like two and a half years to find the right vendor for the hats, and maybe a little bit of that was you growing into those minimums, but yeah. like. What, what have been some of the challenges you've, and I don't know how far in the process of researching this next phase is with the apparel, but like, what have been some of the challenges that you've been seeing or anticipating that... that
6: yeah, I mean some of them are definitely minimums, right, Like, okay. so we can't we can't go to a factory and have them make a one-off item because it's just going to need too many. Um, so right now I think our strategy is going to be to start to go to designers and brands that already have product out there and see if we can do a co-branding with them, maybe yeah. a different colorway yeah. uh, and embroidery of our logo on it. Um, right now we are doing that pretty successfully with a snowboard brand, uh, Gilson Skis and Snowboards actually, um, so those skis will show up on our website next week where you can actually get a custom car for cancer snowboard. It's also on their website as well so um, those are the sort of things i think that as we develop those are going to be the best places for us to go to next but we do have a desire to go you know even farther down the road to make this sort of a full-on brand where people want to wear our stuff because they rep the cause but also because it looks cool and is in kind with the um you know the style that they, they want to wear
4: yeah
0: so. i love this story cameron um, where can everybody find out about what you guys are doing
6: yeah so go to our website www.carveforcancer.com um And you can see our online store there, Um, you know, probably the week of the fifth, a lot of those new items will start showing up there. Um, In addition to soft goods, we have, you know, stuff like hard uh, water bottles and and, uh, some other cool other items. So check it out Um, and, you know, otherwise you can certainly make a donation on the site and uh, we'd appreciate that, really helps us further our mission. So.
0: Awesome. And if someone wants to reach out to support some of the design or, or uh, production aspects just go on site and email you yeah
6: go on the site or email us at info at carveforcancer okay uh, that works great and awesome. gets to our whole team um yeah. uh, we're all really engaged and we're grateful we have each other to be able to you know push this thing forward
0: yeah so cool great yeah. to chat with you and thank you for all the efforts to such a great cause
6: yeah awesome thank you for having me yeah
0: Really enjoyed chatting with you, Cameron, from Car for Cancer. Thank you so much for all the wonderful work you guys do and for putting so much energy and effort um, into the volunteer work that you do for such an amazing cause. Last up is Peter Jackson with Bluescape. Now, Bluescape, it's kind of hard to understand what they do from an audio perspective. It's a very visual experience. I went to their booth and I played with the software. But Peter does a pretty good job of explaining it, so I'm going to kind of let him... Do that portion of, of the, the uh, explanation. But something that's really cool that they're doing with this software and was kind of an interesting byproduct after they launched it, but it's really broken down some of the barriers within the workspace. And whether those are barriers, as I mentioned in the intro to the show, of male versus female, dominant personality versus, you know, maybe more quiet personality. But their software has really allowed some people who may not be comfortable speaking up in a meeting or may not just get the chance to voice their opinion on a conference call. Their software is giving people the opportunity to do this in a more comfortable, um, more safe space. And so it's really, really cool sort of byproduct that their software created that they didn't even really see coming. So, I'll just let Peter explain how their software works, what they're doing, and all the awesome results that they're seeing within their company. Okay, Peter Jackson, tell me, what do you? What's Bluescape?
7: Uh, Bluescape is a visual layer, you okay. know. And so much of what we do today is, you know, just in your Google Drive or your Box, your Dropbox or whatever, and you're, you're you're running around trying to oh, I want to get that video, or I want to get that architectural design, or I'm working on this. And they're in these multiple different places, and you're just visualizing them, right? You're trying to pull them up in different ways. So the concept behind Bluescape and what it does is, can there just be a visual layer where I can have everything in my project that I can see at the same time and expand and and do that? So it's a visual layer.
0: Okay, and I can sympathize with the did I save that in a desktop folder, or is it in Dropbox yeah. or Google Drive? I better or search Pinterest everything. Or yeah. where is it? I yeah. can't remember. Is it my phone notes?
7: What project was that on? I was doing that, right?
0: Um, so you started telling me a story of how the software came about, and I kind of lit up. So wanted to get this on tape. Um, tell me. What happened you know,
7: uh, the, the interestingly, the, the Hayworth Company, which is based out of Holland, Michigan, which is right on the uh, western coast. Um, there is a manufacturer there, like I said, since 1948, and the guy who ran it, now he's the chairman emeritus, constantly would come in and see when they're making furniture there, right, for companies. So they're a multi-billion dollar global company. Okay. And the way they would design it was, you know, they'd have these designers with post-it notes and things, and they ran out of wall space. they come bring out of wall space. Right. And so, you know, typically you have these, like, young millennials coming up with technology ideas. And this guy says, why couldn't we have an infinite visual layer where we could build every project in a visual, place that was infinite in terms of real estate and we could build everything in it. So that was the the roots of the idea back in, you know, maybe seven years ago.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that because I can picture within, you know, brands that I've worked with, we do, we have these giant like corkboard walls where we pin stuff Mm -hmm. and collage and, you know, sort of put all of our ideas into one space but like you said at some point well first of all that's physical so if you have multiple offices that becomes a big challenge and yep. then second you run out of that space so this is where bluescape kind of comes in
7: i also think yeah. that there i mean both those points are really well taken right you, you, you I, how many times i've walked into a conference room and it says don't erase I'm like okay well, how am i gonna how am i gonna work on another thing but the other thing is is like these designing people there are you know sometimes men are very dominant in a conference room, or the quietest person is actually the brightest person. And so a lot of the conceptual ideas are going up, and they don't contribute because it's not in their DNA or they're being dominated. And when you create this visual layer, everybody's contributing into it because they're, they're putting in their visual effects, their comments, and they can be doing it simultaneously. And they don't have to be in the same room. They can be anywhere in the world. You can have an infinite amount of people commenting on the color. Or the, or the size, or you know the design, and so it really opens up your company to bring more breadth in terms of design. So I think that I think is probably moved. The production gets faster, right? Because you're sure. going to send it to another city. What are we going to do this in rubber? Are we going to do it in cotton? You know, whatever, and then those people can contribute in. Here are the different textures, different costs. And inevitably, we send a lot of stuff to China to get produced, and the words gets lost in the translation. Over to them. So there's this one board that there's like, oh, I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to go from here to here. Mm-hmm. So not only is it a one place per project, but it's everybody contributing to the project, the history of the project, and then everybody can't say, oh, I didn't know, or you know. And I think it speeds things up too yeah. as well. Yeah,
0: I love that um, sort of. Layer, or that, that layer of intimidation that gets broken down, like you said, it can be really intimidating to be yeah. in the conference room or to be in front of everybody and like speak your idea. Like there's a lot of people that have those brilliant ideas. And so this almost gives them this opportunity to, I don't want to say like do it in secret, but like do it in their own comfort. See it happen and all the time. Still get their ideas what out. What happens is
7: I've seen it where someone's in the room and they're not saying anything.
0: Yeah, right. And then
7: they go back to their desk and then they put all their stuff in. I yeah. notice that on conference calls, that it's almost like people are just waiting for that one little gap where there isn't sound to talk, you know? Meanwhile, a lot of the other people are sitting in their underwear at the Island, trying to get their dog to shut up. But, (laughs) but you know, the conference environment is interesting because there's people that know how to like dominate.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
7: And so, you know, we have a problem We have a gender related problem. We haven't come very far since, um, you know, the Briggs, what is it, whatever the social thing we did, like you're this way, you're, you're that way. And HR hasn't really moved very well, it's Myers-Briggs, hasn't moved far in that in terms of identifying in projects, why we have all these quiet designers, why we have right-brainers, why we have left-brainers, why we have finance people. So I do think it breaks down the barriers because everybody contributes in it. And then people could say, I disagree, and or let's move forward with all of us on the same page.
0: Yeah. That's really cool. Um, so you guys are working with some apparel, fashion, shoe companies, ish, yeah. and it's a space you're looking to grow a little bit more in. Is that correct?
7: Yeah. When I got a hold of the company, we we uh, we dominate in a couple of sectors. Um, we dominate in the federal government. Okay. We dominate in the movie business. So maybe ten of the last big movies that have out Academy Award uh, stuff was built in our technology yeah. from concept to production.
2: Yeah,
7: I um, happen to love the fashion industry and the brand uh, industry, not as much as my wife does. <laughs> um, but I, my best friend started a company called Olakai, uh, which is a sandal company. Um, and I know the people who started Quicksilver. And I've always gone and sort of like, how did you guys build these brands? How did you do it? And so when I took on this job, the first thing went in my head was, this is ripe for uh, brands and for fashion because they want to, bring all the different people that are valuable that may be in the different places together. Yeah. So the reason I've jumped into it is A, I like it, and B, I think it's going to be a benefit.
0: Awesome. I love that. And where can everybody find more about what you're doing?
7: Well, our website is bluescape.com.
0: Okay, fantastic. I'll put that in the
7: show notes as well. It was awesome. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, nice to chat with you, Peter. Nice to chat with you, too.
0: Thank you so much, Peter. Really lovely to chat with you and get to try the demo of your Bluescape software at the Outdoor Retailer Show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was really, really fun to put together. As I mentioned, I was super anxious going into these interviews, but it wound up being really cool and really fun to chat with everybody at the show. Um, Thank you so much, everybody, for just allowing me to pull my recorder out and hit record. Yeah, I mean I was someone you had never met before, but everybody was really willing to chat. So thank you so much for that. Make sure to hit subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And if you enjoyed the show, I would be so grateful if you took 30 seconds to leave a rating or review. Again, you can do that at SFD network.com slash review. If you'd like to get more behind the scenes clips, uh, as I said, sort of insights into some of my reflections on this industry, whether that be The hour before I'm going to a trade show to go network and schmooze with people and the anxieties I feel, or I also share bonus clips that don't necessarily have a home, whether that be behind-the-scenes video footage or small snippets of interviews that don't quite fit into the podcast. You can do that on my Patreon page. It's not a way to collect a dollar a month from you. Everything is available absolutely free. Um, so go check that out. It's sort of a platform we put up to test and experiment with different types of content to see what you guys like and to see what sticks and, and put things that don't really have at home uh, otherwise. So you can check all that out at patreon.com slash sfd. Again, thank you so much for your support. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I will talk to you next week.